Hello and welcome to Open All Isles, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. Uh, there's four of us here tonight um, to talk about a weird week in the life of QPR, probably the best way to put it. Paul Finney is here with us, as usual. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Paul. It's, I like your t-shirt. It's like a Run DMC type thing. It's my New York City QPR t-shirt. Oh, so it's the Run DMC sort of design saying QPR NYC. That's right. Very good. Very good. Where did you get that? I I got it on their website. If you go on the, their website, you can order it and pay for oh, it. And the QPR well. New York Supporters Club. Oh, yeah, they do it. And they do lots of little badges as well. Brought and paid for, by the way. No freebies from me. Oh, yeah. I'll take a freebie. I'll take I'll wear it at the live podcast. If they send us a t shirt, I'll wear it at the no, live podcast. No, if I pay for you, pay for it, you take it. Um, I really like it, though. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think it makes... I do. Oh, okay. it makes. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Oh, I like thank it. Thank you. Uh, also, we have Emily Capel. Hello. How are you? Good. I've just got a uh, pink jumper on. No, I like the pink jumper, but Thanks. I won't wear that. Well, to, to I think I paid for this as well. All oh, right, <laughs> oh good. I think we. <laughs> um, so Emily is a singer-songwriter, yeah, and QPR fan, yeah, and ukulele player. <laughs> that's not my. Uh... Yeah, that's that's me. Welcome also <laughs> to Paul Stokes. Hello, hi Paul. Not your first time on the podcast, is it? Hey. I've, oh. been on, I've been on once or twice. Been on once or twice. Like did, the other did you pay for your own jumper? I did pay for it. Oh, this, well done. Yeah. Well done. So we've got Everyone a Everyone has paid for their clothes. It's a terrible jumper, Paul. Well, it's actually cardigans. It's Fred yeah, Perry. It's Fred Perry. Oh, you ruined my joke. It's actually, anyway, no Is one's listening. Perry? Yeah. They've all left, mm. quite frankly. Um, okay. Uh, Hull. So we win 4-1. To Hull and back. We win 4-1 against Nor- Norwich on... Oof. Bank Holiday Monday. For QPR fans in Norfolk, I apologise on behalf of him. And then five days later, we ship four goals away to Hull. I like your link. Thank you. You're welcome. What do we think about that? Shit. Pants. Because the away form is, as much as we kind of go, it's been brilliant at home, we had a great fight back against Fulham. The away form really has to be something for next season that has to be sorted out. Because A, it's going to cost you league places, but B, it's not fair on the fans. I actually know someone who got a hotel in Hull and went and watched that game. Oh and God. I mean, I don't understand why you would supporting our club go and do that. But, you know, I've, I remember going to Norwich at the end of last season. I thought it was one of the most terrible performances I've ever seen a team in blue and white hoops in. and you just yeah I had a fun day out with my friends but at the end of it you sort of go that was so bad I quite like my money back and I think you know it's all very well you know I know there was this thing under Redknapp the idea that you forget the away games it's home form that's really important but I think that has to be massively addressed next season as like actually you can't you can't do anything as a football club why did they get a hotel in Hull to well, go and see the game. I mean, because you well, went, cause the train in and out of Hull, I have been, I went to Beverly near Hull once. and uh, You went to Hull and back. So yeah. I have done, yeah, and it is, yeah. it's not the best train. It's, it, even the fast train is like a small little train. So. Leeds or something. Yeah. I've drove there a few anyway, times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the, but you know what? I, I kind of, I, I don't get this kind of, it seems to me we win a home match and Ian gets the fans back on side and he's like, right, I've got the guys back and the, the women, sorry, get everyone back on side. We're all good. Now I'm going to go to Hull and I'm going to tinker again and I'm just going to try this out as an experimental thing. And then we get absolutely hammered. We didn't even have one shot. It's embarrassing. You can't go to places like Hull and get turned over like that without a fight. It's just not good enough. And 
And what he did, Colin Skernard, after the game as well, was a bit ridiculous because I seen the challenge on TV. I, I wasn't able to make it. Sorry, which thing. which challenge? Another challenge? No, Skernard's was a build up to it. Yeah. Skernard went in, um, yeah. which is frustration. He's annoyed. We're losing. We're getting dicked away from home. He's not happy. And Nua, I mean, behave. It's a yellow card at, at worst. He comes in, shoulder charges your man. He doesn't do any damage to him at all. And um, that's just frustration at what's going on up there. Obviously, they're feeling it. But to play as he is a striker by himself, it's just, he's a kid. You've got to let these kids play in their natural positions for a while. Don't change them around. Let them find their feet. Let them do what they've got to do. Find their own way. You don't start moving kids around to suit formations because you've had a bad one. I mean, you know, you've got Sully, you've got Young Smith. He had options. He didn't have to play a midfielder as a striker. He is an attacking midfielder because it puts too much pressure on your midfield. It puts too much pressure on your defence and you're going to get absolutely spanked, which is what happened. I don't know what he was thinking. And it's just, like Paul says, we've got to sort our way for him out because the Villa was great, Fulham was great, Birmingham, Burton, all grand. But we need to be more consistent away from home because if we are going to do, do you this think thing, they are. You, you go to a lot of away games. What are the main differences? That's because I'm masochistic and I hit myself. Um, I think is I think I think it's, I think what Ian does is he tries things away from home that he doesn't want to try at home. Now, whether that's because you could argue he doesn't want fans to get in kids' backs, so he tries it away from home with his less fans to do that. I don't know. Or he just writes away games off. As a, I don't know. There's, there's a, obviously a reason. I think we would be supportive about Loftus Road, wouldn't you, the, of the kids coming out? Absolutely. But, you know, it, I just get frustrated because, it, you know, yeah, we've given Cherry a go this season. We've given Young Smith a go this season. Yeah. There's Samuel, um, Eze, uh, Darnell's more or less cemented his, his, his place in the first team. And then last week against Norwich, he called out Ezzy, didn't he? Saying that he can't defend and stuff like that, which I think is a bit poor. I do, I do think this is this is my one sort of draw concern with the, the return of Ian Holloway. It's the original Ian Holloway, who I still cannot thank enough for that brilliant day out in Sheffield. It's absolutely amazing. You know, woof day. That's Ian Holloway I like. The, the, the funny pop quest ones. I know he probably... D- it was annoyed that he wasn't being taken seriously in the game as much but you know mm. it was a fun guy he seemed to be like you know enthusiastic about the club and football and I still think that guy's there but if you read the, the, his comments after games in particular but more generally you know the, the calling out QPR fans for leaving a game that'd been moved by Sky to a Monday night after Brentford I thought was despicable and I thought his apology was was a non-apology and that really has, has really soured it for me in terms of his public speaking I think if you read his post-match comments in the last few games, you wouldn't understand why Izzy gets in the team because he's clearly terrible, according to the manager. And it's like, uh, Lawal Lawal's dad dies and he turns up late for training. We know all about this. And then he gets bombed back to uh, to Brighton. Um, Yeni Bogato, when we still had him, he was too fat, apparently, which is, you know, in this day and age, I'm not, I think, a healthy thing to be banding around in the presses. I just think I would say if Ian Holloway could change one thing, you know, I'd take it over the away for me, in fact. It would be just keep that stuff in-house. You know, Scalman's challenge, like you said, I, I was expecting to see a horror challenge when I, I saw it on telly. And, and, and it was like, oh, it was a bit it's late. Recent. But yeah, and I thought the captain was out of order running halfway across the pitch to knock a man over. Of course he's going to get a you know, red card at that late in the game. What are you doing? The guy didn't even pick on Scalman. It was, it, it was it, you know, and I'm just thinking the, the comments mm. then from Holloway after that. I mean, irrespective of what the players did... By all means, give them the absolute rollicking of their lives behind closed doors. But let's not have any of that in the press next season. It's just, it's, it's getting to the point where, you know, I loved, I thought Fulham was such a great day out and it really, the shine was really taken off it by being told that our oh, really exciting prospect can't defend. I was like, oh, thanks for that. You've kind of taken the shine off the day for me. Johnny Byrne and Roy Wiggler were terrible defenders. 
Who, I didn't hear who the second one was, you said. Roy Wigley. Ah, yes, indeed. Okay, with your point being that... doesn't. Samus Stenor was absolutely dreadful at defending. Right, okay. You know, it's, 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 you, you don't... You know, you have your defenders to defend, your midfielders to do what they do, your forwards to do what they do. It's, it's kind of like this whole thing of, well, he doesn't track back. I don't care. Did but, he, uh, but, he, but he can improve that and he should no, improve uh, that and, and the coach should, should yes. coax that out of him but not via yes. you know, 17 no, different it's local it's a legitimate thing maybe it's it, a legitimate thing for the coach is, to say but, he needs to be okay. better but not in public I think but I don't want point. I don't want kids taking the floor out of kids so they can track someone back 25 yards I want me right back I'm a midfielder to take care of that like Adele you know Adele was a talented footballer there's no question about it probably one of the best we've ever seen and he did go back at times, but it was more useful than on the end of the pitch. You let your Derrys, your you Hills. Can't apply that standard for Adele to every other player. You're saying that his 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 poor defending was tolerated because of the kind of imperial yeah. imperious talent he had. And being a but dickhead. He's a, he's a exactly. <laughs> he's he's a, that's why it, we have Paul it, on it, the podcast still every week. That's a, it's a bit harsh. Don't oh. raise it. Harsh. It was a bit harsh. That um, oh, I didn't mean it either. Because, like it was just a cheap gag. Like oh, I thought he meant the dickhead gag. bit. No, you, oh, you okay. meant you. You're, like you're, the you're both fans of Kinder Egg, though, aren't you? You and Adele. You're big fans of Kinder Eggs, I hear. That's what that's what he used to eat, apparently. Really? Yeah, according to Joe Barton when he was at the club, he sort of. And you were talking he, about he said Adele home. lived off uh, Kinder mm-hmm. Eggs. So. Really? Don't know how true. It's probably in Joey's book, I'm sure. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, go, going back to Foy, I think I would like to see players coach. Yeah, if, if, if the players want to come back and defend, that's all well and good. But I want to see them show their skill, show what they've got about them, believe in themselves some, somewhat. I don't want him feeling, oh, shit, I've got to track back. I want him to focus on what he can do going forward. I don't know. I think, I think Holloway's got a point in the sense that he's a midfielder rather than a striker. So he, yeah, indeed. But, and many other away Saturdays. But um, he's got a point. He's a midfielder, not a striker, although you wouldn't know that from Saturday. He's played as a striker. Yeah, as I said, you wouldn't know that from Saturday. So it's kind of that thing of like, coach that into him, definitely. And he, you know, he's literally just got in a team. He, he, I've never seen a young player so confident and so relaxed on the ball. He's he, a brilliant talent that anything you can add to him will be amazing. And so let's add it, but let's just not. Do it, and I, I, you know, I think Holloway. A lot of the things he's saying is right. It's just when he's saying it in the context he's saying it and how he says it often, it just, it just doesn't seem to me to be the place in the press. Do it on the training pitch. But then again, saying that, I mean, as you know, you've 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 got these kids. We're, we're supposed to be relying on these kids to bring through and go forward, which is brilliant. But let's not criticize. Well, he's not him. stifling easy, is he or Ezzy? I mean, he's. If you were Ezzy, you're going to love I would this say, manager. I, I, would, I would say being know. criticised in public at a young age isn't great. But then you don't know the character. You don't know. he Maybe he's doing that because he knows him and his character and he thinks he will respond to that more. And maybe he's just sick of the press like, portraying him as such a laugh. So he's gone the complete other way and he's like the Craig Revel Hallwood. Yeah, you but, have got him trying to. He is trying to d- not the Craig Rover Hall a bit necessarily. What? You know, oh, like <laughs> pantomime villain. Yeah, like, he is. He is trying to overcompensate a bit, Holloway, <laughs> for. I'm, I'm just talking through the Craig Revel Hall. <laughs> so what you're saying um, is when he was a scout, he, he, he was like Bruno, and now he's a manager, he's going to be like Craig Revel Hall. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, good strictly knowledge, that, Paul. Yeah. I'm impressed. Are you really? What you're saying is he's trying to do this whole take me seriously yeah. shtick and, and just be you. Just you yeah. be you, Holloway. I No, I disagree. I think he's trying to be too clever. I think he's... he's well, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's, over, he's over-tinkering where he doesn't need to. You, you've got a team that beat Norwich for one. All right, Smith was ill. Washington had family reasons for not going to the game, apparently, which is I don't know anything about. No one else does. It's fine. Um, not that I should. Um, and 
he still tinkers in a, in a way that he, I would have thought would. I, I thought you know, bring in Silla, give him a go. If you want to get Silla off the books, you've got to play, give him game time. You can't leave him on the bench and bring him on when you're losing the game. You know that that, that policy what Holloway does of losing the game, then bringing the forwards on is like trying to equalise after the you know before they score. Do, do I don't know. you think we? He's now tinkering because he's now transitioned into next season. We are now safe. As of last week, we are safe. And so now, isn't he... Is everything that happened on Saturday a reaction to everything that happened in the previous seven days? And by that, I mean, first of all, us being mathematically safe. Then there were the announcements about the uh, about uh, Mackey and Perch who were leaving which clearly were never going to were only made once we hit 50 points they mm. weren't going to be made before that then there was the apparent leak that Anua and Robinson are both off yeah, what was that about well there was an article Dave Mack mm-hmm. the, uh, West, uh, West London Sport Dave Mack QPR journalist very well thought of QPR journalist because um, dogs abuse on Twitter sometimes. I don't know why. Because well, Dave's quite yeah. an interesting character. Well, uh, well, and very and well informed. And he, he is wrote very a well piece informed. saying that Anua and Jack Robinson are leaving at the end of the season. Robinson, I would be surprised at. Anua, I would be surprised at. Well, he's obviously been told by somebody that that is the intention for him to move on. So I wonder if the if sort of everything on Saturday was a sort of reaction to everything that had gone on before. I mean, I know conspiracy theorists might point to Anua getting sent off and kind of is that him done with QPR now, which I definitely wouldn't subscribe to. So that apart, but I wonder if sort of everything else, the team formation, the selection, trying easy up front, is that him now? He's got, he's got licence to tinker, hasn't he? I think, ironically, he's probably got more licence at home to tinker because he's got the fans behind him and they've, and they've been the comebacks. And actually where he needs to not tinker his away and it's just get the hoodoo off so that actually if you could end the season going oh you know we, we won three or four away or didn't get beat in three or four away games I think that would be more beneficial than going here's a brand new shape or a, a player out of position or a player, new player in the sides that actually do that at home you know you look at the games we've got at home there's not a game where you think you know some of them you think well, we're not going to win anyway some of them you think you know we should we should win. You, that's yeah. there's more scope for tinkering there in, within those boundaries than say tinkering on you know the, the you know a, a long game away to hole. I sometimes think as well with those those really with, with the away games is, are, are the players benefiting if they just if they've just got a crowd on their back is that tinkering going to work if you're trying a system out is a, is is that the place to do it anyway in a hostile stadium. Is that not? If you're going to learn anything, surely it should be just get used to this. Not barracking you for ninety minutes. I think. I think what we've got to learn is consistency. We've got to. Everyone learns better when everyone knows a team that's playing well. It seems to be well. We win a game, lose a dream game, a draw a game. He's got to tinker. So surely you're better to keep a winning side together. Get the consistency build up so they go into next season with confidence, regardless of whatever happens. But you don't, you don't really carry over any momentum across the seasons, do you? You don't carry over momentum from May to August, do you? No, but you carry the opposite, don't you? You carry over, we haven't won in 10 away games. You haven't yeah. won at home in True. before. That's yeah. the thing you carry, not the, not the True. positives, unfortunately. True. Every season you start with a flesh. Flesh? A fresh start with flesh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think it's just, he's, he's trying to prove, and you got it right, he's, he's trying to prove what a grip... He, he understands the game. He's not the clone. He's not this. He's not that. Um, he's not the guy that went around Sky and buses watching 55,000 games a week or whatever it was. He is actually a tactical genius. And I don't think he needs to. You know, he needs... 
maybe we need someone else on the bench, someone to come in and, and advise, as we said last week, the Knicks, Kenny Jackett, whatever. He needs someone to calm him down a wee bit because I, I would suggest that Ian Stripes is the sort of person who would change his mind every five minutes. And that must be very, very hard to cope with if you're a player, if you don't know if you're playing or not. And come the Saturday, as I said, you keep, consistency is our biggest problem. We need to be consistent and we need to go forward by being consistent. We're going to have a smaller squad. We need to give everyone more game time. Okay. We're going to move on now. Unless you... Were you about to say something, Emily? You no, did. I you did do a... <laughs> Can I just say one other thing about the goals on Saturday before I go off? Sure. The, the shade. Every single one of them was awful. I mean, you can't blame Smithies for the one that came off his, his back or whatever went in, but it's just really poor defending. Just really, really disappointed with that. And, and well done to the club for giving out free shirts, but really should give them the oh, money. Yeah, nice, that was really it? nice. Yeah, that was nice. And that's a good thing about QPR, yeah. but I would seriously consider giving them free shirts. Would you shirts. pay? Would you insist on paying? Would I insist on paying? Would you insist on paying for that one? Because someone would, would probably stand there and go, oh, Finny from the podcast got a free shirt. This yeah. is what you don't know. I, I would insist on paying, Good. or I would give it to someone else who deserved this shirt more than me. Good. David Would Frieda. you pay? No. No. I mean, the cynic in me Here's says it was, was leftover stock of a kit that's yeah. getting redesigned at no, the end I, of the season. Yeah. i say it's a very nice thing to do, but they got They could bring the Royal Panda down next season a bit, could you? It's too high. Yeah, it is one hoop too high. You're yeah. right, the uh, Royal Panda bit. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not paying for that. No. 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 You're, actually, no. you know what? You know, I'll take it, Emily, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to that stage, though. I always say when I was 25, I'd never wear a QPR shirt when I get to a certain age. And I'm at that certain age, I'm still wearing QPR shirts. Mm. You've got a QPR am... t-shirt on now. Well, that's a t-shirt. 25? No, that's a t-shirt, and no, he's road, not only 25. <laughs> no, but you know, like, me, and, oh, and hoops aren't good when you're fat. Anyway, go on. True. No, they're not. True. No. Okay. Um, right. How do I segue into a bit of a less nice bit, which is we talked on the podcast last week uh, about Ray Wilkins. We interviewed Steve Wicks, our former centre-back, former defender. And at that point, Ray Wilkins was, was unwell in hospital. And I think the following morning after we recorded on Wednesday morning, um, he passed away, which I think, you know, if you... Have for even people who didn't know who he was, and and I'm sure she won't mind me saying Emily's a, a, a lot younger than the rest of us, and, and never saw him play in your time as a season ticket holder. There'll be a lot of people listening to us who weren't who who came QPR fans after that, but he has a legacy, I think, that has um, lived on at the club, and you can see that through all the tributes um, that were made. We're going to talk to Kevin Gallen in a bit as somebody who was a youngster when. As a youngster, Ray Wilkins was in the QPR team, and I, I think helped him a lot. But, like fellas, what's what's your recollections of of Ray Wilkins? Well, for me, he was the, the manager or the player manager at the age when I suddenly became aware of what a manager was. I think up to that point, I was aware that there was a football team and I'd seen them play, and they all ran round, and there were some people on the side, and suddenly I was like, ah, oh, this is. Who I, this is what the football managers and, and for years I always still can't you know because of Wade Wilkins I still think there should be more player managers in the game but um, he said so for me in a weird way he is the kind of archetypal QPR manager for whom all 
others will be measured against. And I think, you know, the, the, the two over... Do you think that? Yeah, just because of my age, because that's, yeah. that's the guy okay. for who's the, who, let, you know, he was in the job when I kind of became, I knew what a football manager was, if you know what I mean. Okay. Sort of mid-90s or early mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. And just was like, ah. Oh. So, so, yeah, I'm kind of subconsciously or consciously measure a lot of managers against him. And, and it, two things, I mean, obviously a fantastic player, but as a manager was, he seemed to get on really well with his team. You know, there wasn't that kind of thing of like, oh, you know, I'm the manager, you know, this, you know, you train with the juniors, all that kind of stuff. He seemed to be someone who was very popular with the players just from watching it on nascent sky. And the other thing was just the dignity of him. I mean, even as a commentator going on, he just seemed a very positive without being, you know, overhyped kind of guy, just a really studious thinker about the game, studious thinker about life in general, just, just a very friendly and open and warm personality. And so I kind of look to managers now to be a mix of that, you know, really popular with their players, having people who play for them, but also having that sort of quiet dignity of like, you know, if you win, you don't rub it in. If you lose, you don't, you don't go on a rant and have a go at everyone. It's, um, you know, I think, I think he really, for me, and, and then when you then factor back, because I only knew him as a QPR person, and you factor back and think what he's achieved in the game. I think he's one of the few people who's played in all the major city derbies, mm-hmm. you know, like Milan, Glasgow, and just all those kind of things. You know, the clubs he's played for, the football he played for England. And you just think, you wouldn't know that from just thinking, oh, it's the guy who's managing QPR, because he wasn't walking around going, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm the greatest thing that ever happened to football. And, you know, arguably, he was one of the greatest things that happened to English football, in, certainly in his era. I think I think when when he first came to QPR, it was I remember it quite well because I wasn't drinking in them days. You kind of thought, here comes another journeyman footballer. Yeah, here, come, here comes yeah. someone else who wants Absolutely. to end his days. And I don't know what this guy's going to offer us, but we'll, we'll wait and see. And from the first game onwards, the quality of the fellow was just amazing. I mean, he made every winger more confident, every striker more lethal through pinpoint accuracy of passing. He didn't have to do much. He moved around the game. He scored against Liverpool in the FA Cup and stuff. It was just, you know, he... And he was a leader and he was respected and you never saw him really arguing and berating referees and stuff or... or, or even when we played Wimbledon, he was probably one of the few players that didn't try and cripple, you know, and, and things like that. He had immense respect and it just shows you, despite, I mean... It seems he had his demons like we all have. And it's it's quite sad that people have been going on saying, oh, you know, I didn't know Ray Wilkins suffered from depression and this that, and the other. Well, who knows who suffers from it? You know, it just shows you it can ha- happen to mm. absolutely anyone on earth. And we should have more awareness about it within the game because clearly he had his demons in the poor soul. Um, Although he, he, we should say he died from a heart attack. We don't know what I mean. How he lived. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying sure. that's the reason why he died or anything. Sure. I, I don't know. And I'm grieving as a football fan, but his family must. We we can't feel the pain his family feel. What they're going no. through is horrendous. But what a player! I mean, he's a lovely player. He, he must. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, everyone keeps saying, "Oh, when he was at Chelsea, when he was at Man U, when he was at Milan, he was some player." But Jesus, when he was at QPR, he's probably one of the best midfielders I've ever seen. He must have been absolutely frigging sublime in their places, like. Well, there's was, there was a couple of things about it. First of all, what you said. Usually, the script goes, when a 32-year-old player who's played mm-hmm. at Chelsea, United, Milan, Paris Saint-Germain, Glasgow Rangers, who were good in those days. That would have been good. When he then comes to a team like QPR at 32 years old, you think, wow, you're kind of easing into retirement now. And we've seen, God knows, we've seen enough of them, uh, haven't we? 
Jason Park, for example, <laughs> in the last few years, players of a certain age coming here just to waste while away a couple of years. He wasn't like that at all. I, I as a sort of nine, ten, eleven-year-old, whatever I was then, I just could not believe what I was watching some some mm. of the time. I mean, that team was great anyway. That kind of early nineties team with Ferdinand, Sinton, David Bardsley, Alan McDonald, Darren Peacock, all, all those players. But he was and Ian Holloway, of course. But he was the he was, I don't know if the engine is the right word, but he was the centre of that team. And I had never seen, I was never sure whether he was right or left-footed. And I, I'm still not 100% sure whether he was right or left-footed. And if you look at some of the goals that were being played last week, there was a left-foot volley, a right-foot volley. He could ping a even pass a to anyone, even a header, and he was great. And I know it's petty to sort of complain about it, I do wish QPR had been cited in a few more of the kind of tributes to him because he played more games for us than he played for Chelsea, than he played for Man United, than he played for Milan. Um, and, and there was a couple of, of things that sort of did cite that. But I think you know that shows what he meant to QPR and QPR fans. The only other thing I would say is that he was actually a massive... He sort of permeated British culture in a weird way beyond football. A couple of things to remind people of. He was the voice of the tango ads. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so, yeah. The whole famous tango man he was advert. The commentator. Do you know the ad I'm yeah. talking about? He was the commentator yeah. on the tango man advert. And this was when he was still playing, 32, 33 years old. He was also, he did all the voiceovers for Football Italia in the early 90s, or a lot mm. of them, if you remember that as well. So he wasn't just kind of some. I suppose, player that we held dear. He genuinely was a, a British football icon. But do you know what? I, the, the impression I got from him as well is he, he was someone that loved the game It doesn't, and, and perhaps didn't realise how good he was, which goes back to him not having confidence in himself as a person sometimes. Because he was a great, he was a legend, which is way overused and things like that. And he transformed that QPR side. If he was a writer, he'd have been James Joyce. He could tell tales. He could do things that you could only dream about that you didn't think could happen until he came to our football club. And he said, do you know what? Ray Wilkins is an absolute legend. And he was at QPR. And I agree with you. It's a shame they won't mention more in the press and the media. But we know how good he was and that's all that matters. The other other thing is that on, on a personal level, so many people I know who've met him have said, oh, he's such a lovely man. So I was once at one of these weird sort of music industry football event HMV dinner things and because so many people are saying he's such a lovely man I, I never normally go up I don't like to bug people I sort of said oh hi Ray I'll keep your eyes for and he lovely man really genuinely you know, you know he must have been bugged by so many people by so many different clubs and he was you know I, I, I'm sure you'll find one and people always say this when people pass away but he just sounds like everyone ever met him as a football fan met a real football enthusiast well, we had our memories of him as fans, but uh, Kevin Gallon uh, played with him, was a player under him. So we're going to give him a call now to get his tribute uh, to Ray Wilkins. Kev, thanks for joining us again. We, we've just shared our thoughts, our memories on Ray Wilkins. Um, you've clearly got a very different perspective and a much more personal and closer uh, view on Ray Wilkins. Tell us, tell us a bit about him and... and your earliest, I guess, memories of him and when you first met him? Um, well, I think, I can't sort of really remember when I first met him. It must have been when I was a, a schoolboy coming in to train with the youth team um, at the training ground. I can't sort of really remember, but I always remember sort of when I first came into 
QPR and it was back, uh, I would say, when I left school in 1992 and I joined uh, QPR in June 1992 to do pre-season training. And Ray was there. And Ray was sort of really... Jerry was the manager. Uh, Ray Walkins was sort of the main man player-wise. Uh, everyone everyone looked up to. Everyone listened to. Uh, he was... Not only was he a fantastic football player and when people, I think... Uh, People have asked me on the pod who was a pod who was uh, the best player I played with at QPR, and I usually say Ray Wilkins would be in the top one or two because not only was he a fantastic footballer, uh, his uh, attitude to the game, his enthusiasm was second to none, and uh, he, he was he could pass the his passing was just absolutely uh, tremendous, but he was he was always sort of one step ahead of knowing what to do. The ball would, he may be even two steps ahead or what everyone else, but he would be in, in the, when the ball comes, when the ball, before it arrived to Ray, he already knew where he was going to pass it. And that's a sign of a good player. He always knew what was going on all around. And his, his vision was absolutely top draw. Uh, can't say, I wouldn't say the football player he was absolutely different class. And everyone at the club looked up to him as a football player, but the main one, really. Everyone looked up to him as a bloke as well. He was a tremendous, uh, a tremendous man, always giving advice, always trying to help everyone, not only just the young lads, but he was a help you know, the senior players. If you ask Les or um, Clive Wilson and David Barsley, unfortunately Alan McDonald is not around, but they would listen to Ray as well because of his stature in the, in the game and what he'd achieved. And he played for some of the biggest clubs, AC Milan, Man United and and so on, etc. He played for the biggest club, so 84 times for England, everyone sort of, uh, sort of looked up to him and a little bit, and especially us young lads were in awe of him. So when he spoke, we all listened and uh, we tried to take his, take his advice on board. And he was excellent for me. And when I look back in my, my QPR career, when did I play my, my, my best football? And it had probably been under Ray Wilkins when he was manager. Uh, I had a good spell under Ian Holloway when we got promoted and, and those few years, and that, they were good times. But I was playing in the Premiership under Ray. He put his faith in me. I mean, he came in, uh, I remember, he came in as manager, I think it might have been uh, October or November 94. And everyone has different views, and, and I'm thinking, oh, am I going to play the first game? And fortunately for me, we uh, we beat Leeds, I think, 3-1 or 3-2 that day. I had a hand in Les's first two goals and then I scored the third goal. So from then on, Ray picked me very regularly and um, it was a pleasure to play under him and a pleasure to play with him. What was he like as a manager? Because we obviously know a lot about him as a player and QPR fans do know about him as a manager, but it's not what he's known for necessarily, his, his stints in the number one I mean, job. I tell you what, he um, I, I really enjoyed playing with Ray, and he got a lot of uh, a bit of stick from the fans because we got relegated. But I've said this numerous times: it wasn't Ray as the manager. It was basically Les left. We didn't replace Les properly. Uh, Clive Wilson left and went to Tottenham. And and one of the main factors as well was Les leaving um, because we missed his goals. But Ray Wilkins retired. So you're sort of, not retired, but he was like 
playing the odd game here and there, and he wasn't as influential as he was two or three years ago. So you're you're basically taking three of probably your best players out of the team, and it's hard to replace them. Uh, he tried. He he um, he tried. He signed uh, Mark Hately, and at the time I thought that was a good replacement, not as good as Les because Mark was. You know, a lot older, but we thought it'd be a decent replacement. And unfortunately, he turned up injured, and he never really got going. And at the end, it was a, it was a, um, it wasn't a good signing. But Ray was I really enjoyed training. Uh, all the lads did uh, love training. I just think um, it just didn't work out in that second season, and it was a bit unlucky. And I, and I do you know when, when we got relegated and we were gonna uh, we was in the championship. I got injured, I started off really well and next thing I'm sort of in hospital and Ray Wilkins resigned. So I was very disappointed, very sad to see him go because he was an um, integral part of a lot of the lads' career, especially mine's. Um, he left in 1996, but I was you know, was in the same training ground with, as him for four years and whatever he said, you sort of just, you know, you'd done exactly what he told you and and... 10 times out of 10, it was the right advice. Did you keep in touch with him after he, he left in 96? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I, there was a stage when um, I think the year after he was the manager of Fulham and he wanted to sign me and uh, Stuart Houston said no. But he wanted to take me on loan. I was just coming back from my knee injury and uh, I wasn't getting into the... You know, I was sort of struggling for game time at QPR and he wanted to take me on loan. But it didn't uh, materialise. I, 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 I see him here and there, uh, but I never really um, sort of spoke to him regular, which I sort of regret now because he was such a great bloke and he uh, he was always someone you could approach, even if you hadn't spoke to him. I mean, I remember seeing him at QPR a few years back and I hadn't seen him for maybe two or three years, but it's like if I saw him yesterday. It was, uh, it was just brilliant to be around him and brilliant to listen to what he had to say and he was a great, um, a really good laugh. I mean, I can't really, can't really stop putting into words what a really nice man he was. And uh, it's just such an absolute shame that he's not with us anymore. And I'm, you know, really gutted about it. And it's sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to take because he was only 61 and he's gone too soon. The, um, <clears throat> I went over last year, a couple of years ago, sorry, not last year, with the um, Alan McDonald game. And... Um, you know, I was I was quite amazed how you guys, because I was you, you you were playing and everyone was in the the foyer and I sort of stood in the background. But how everyone had so much respect for him and he still was like the captain. He was still getting everyone together to get on the bus or whatever you were going, whatever hotel you were going back to and stuff like that. It seemed that even then the lads had a massive respect for him. Oh yeah, I mean he was uh, just sort of before the game in the changing room. He was just sort of running the whole changing room really with the with a banter and chatting and this and it's basically when he speaks everyone sort of be everyone goes quiet and listens uh, listens to him but yeah that was uh, unfortunately uh, that was the sort of the last time we was on a football pitch with him uh, but even when we even in playing that game it was just back to the old times because he was the most vocal uh, football player I've ever played with he would give you so much um instructions and time and talking he never he never shut up on the pitch and that's a good thing that's not a bad thing because when people are talking to you on the pitch 
and telling you you've got time or turnout and this, that and the other. It's just, you know, uh, a pleasure to play with someone like that. And even that for uh, like 45 minutes when he played was just great. It was just, it was just like going down memory lane with all the old players, especially Ray. Well, you've you've done Ray Pro tonight, Alan. I'll do that again. Alan? I think I'm a Donald game. Alan? <laughs> Take that out, Neil. Anyway, um, Ray to Kev. You've done Ray Pride by what you said tonight, and that that's been a that's one of the best tributes I've heard to the man. And you've you've done him proud. Thank you for coming on the podcast and doing that. And next time no we you come, you come on, we'll talk football and um, talk about games and stuff. But uh, tonight's basically about Ray. So, Kev, seriously, thanks for popping in and um, saying that about Ray. And um, hopefully, we'll see you down ranges. Um, are you going tomorrow night? I'm not. Saturday, um, sorry. You going Saturday? I'm going to go Saturday, yes. Okay. Are you, um, I hear you might be sitting with someone important on Saturday. Well, that's the plan. We'll see. I'll, I'll read that, that important person isn't Paul Finney, I take it. I haven't ever been important in my life. I'm not even important to the dog. Nope, Kev, you, is it Mr. Fernandez you're sitting with on Saturday, I believe? Uh, well, he said so. We'll see. So, should we follow that on Twitter? Have I what? Should we follow that on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for a free ticket, so hopefully you <laughs> come through for me. Right. Good man. Well, listen, thanks for coming on and speaking about Ray, mate. Really appreciate it. And um, see you soon, big man. No problem. Cheers, Kev. Cheers, Thank Cheers you. Bye, Bye. Bye. See you soon. Bye. See you soon, Bye, guys and girls. Bye. Bye. I, I don't think he got what I was trying to say. Why is he saved on your phone as Mr. Big Stuff? <laughs> is that what he's on Paul's phone yeah, as? Mr. Big, Mr. Big Stuff? I can't even spell Brackets, that. Why is nice he... and short. What? 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 <laughs> what? What? Hang on. Say that again, Emily. What? <laughs> is this the thing? Yeah, yeah. Go on. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. <laughs> is he on your phone as Mr. Big Stuff? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Why? Uh, it's, 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 it's... I think it's dyslexic for Kevin Gallon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't cite dyslexia for. Oh yeah, every, that old chestnut. Every yeah, for absolutely <laughs> everything, Paul. I, I, I give it a go, but it, honestly, listeners, he's not on my phone as Mister Big Stuff. <laughs> he is. It, 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 I'm uh, sat here. I can see. Yeah, okay. I, I suggest your dyslexia is worse than mine. <laughs> um, um, ours end already. Is that already? it? Yeah, well, that's not it. We've still got a few minutes to go. Okay. Okay. Um, what haven't we talked about that we should talk about? I, 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 I'm sorry, Neil. Notwithstanding, before we do the R's end, let's talk about those players. Mackey off, Perch off, definitely, potentially the other mm. two centre backs that we talked about earlier. Paul, I saw you on Twitter say, "Well, Jamie Mackey is is not a legend in the true sense, but was the effect of you know certainly think- made a big Im- Big contribution. I think he gets he gets he gets hammered for his lack of ability from certain people, but the same people who sit there criticising. I wonder how many winners they've scored against Liverpool. Um, You know, you kind of. I'm saying none. I'm I'm going with that surprisingly enough, and I just think he got. A hard time sometimes. He never claimed to be Pele. He never claimed to be Cruyff. He never claimed to be any damn good. But what he did do, he came in, he made a difference, he chased, he hurried, he made mistakes happen so we could pass the ball around, we could set a Dell up, we could free players, we could do things. He's everyone's dream. If you want to be a footballer, 
Jimmy Mackey proved that you could be in the Premier League despite what people said about him, despite what they said about his limitations. He came to QPR, he made a difference and I think it'd be great if he was kept on in some, some way because he's so enthusiastic. Who can forget that time he, he took his shirt off why and he did his... Keep, sorry, why would you keep him on now in why some way? Why talk about him taking his shirt off? Because apparently, according to Sean Derry when he was on a podcast, he had that picture of his toilet. I was expecting people to have heard our podcast seven years ago, remember a story that was told on the podcast seven years ago, and get what he's saying when he refers to it seven years later. Correct? Aye. Yeah. There was that, a story... That I think, person's going to still be with us, surely. Yeah. You haven't left us, have you? Sean Derry gave us a story that in Jamie Mackey's bathroom, apparently Jamie Mackey has a picture that was his in toilet. Jamie Mackey's bathroom of toilet. Jamie Mackey. No, it was toilet. Oh. I think it was when we scored against Derby when he came back and it was on all the there's yeah. loads of pictures about it but I, I think see. you're doing him a disservice you, you, you're kind of talking about Jamie Mackey like he shows that even if you're no good you can make it no I'm not saying that good. at all no, no, what, no I'm not saying that at all you're doing me a disservice by trying to put words in my mouth what I said was people didn't realise that he is a good player he did do things he, and we can all look at Jamie Macker. If, if, uh, same as, all right, same as Charlie Austin. You're playing for pool in non-league terms one season. You're playing against Man United scoring for Southampton a few years later. We can all live that dream. And people like Mackey and Austin are proof of that. That was um, my badly made point. Paul? I'd, I'd, sad to see Jamie Mackey Yeah, go. sad to see him go. He didn't quite... I think just with injuries but I mean I've never seen a, a, an attacking player track back and defend so much I mean he's, no. that's what he's brilliant for and like, like Paul says he, he did create a lot of the mistakes I always thought he was best coming off the bench when other players were knackered he really harried and got people to, to make a mistake um, but I think he'll still have a career I mean I saw him playing the reserves a couple of weeks ago and he didn't look too bad so I suspect if he Do you mean the under 23s? Uh, yeah Sorry, sure. the, the development league or whatever, yeah. But he has to play for that, and he, you know, he doesn't look too adversely affected by his recent injuries. So no. I suspect he'll find another club, and, if not this level. Then, and that's why yeah. I would challenge you saying it's a shame can't find him a role, because you're talking about him like he's retired. He's only 32. He can definitely do a job for something. I meant one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day we Maybe find a role. third spell. Mm. Emily? Yeah? Talk to me about Jamie Mackey. I uh, used to work in home base and I think I sold him a barbecue once. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure I did. Tell me about this barbecue. Uh, he was Gats in a... Coles? <laughs> I think Coles. Was it? And uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, is that Jamie Mackey? And uh, yeah, that's my, that's what, when someone says Jamie Mackey to me, I'm like... You think he's a man who doesn't go for he gas likes, barbecue. He, <laughs> he, make, he lights his own coals. Yeah. But, but was it all Ali Fallon when he came in the podcast or was he set flat, fire to his flats to the barbecue? That's right, yeah. He did. did you sell Ali Fallon a barbecue by any chance? I don't, I don't think so, no. Definitely, definitely Jamie Mackey. He's got lots of tattoos. Yeah. What's he look like without his top on, Paul? Um. <laughs> He looks like he Jamie Mackey without his top on. Because <laughs> he had lots of and, tattoos. Yeah, and he was holding a barbecue yeah. in the other hand. And he had QPR yeah. trousers on. Did and he? I used to, I, well, I used to, it, it was the one Hang in on. Norfolk. He was definitely Jamie Mackey. When you say it was you think Jamie he was Mackey. Jamie Mackey. I think it was Jamie Mackey, yeah. I like the idea he's popped on the way home from trading and thinks, oh, it's a good day, barbecue tonight. <laughs> barbecue. I don't want to invest <laughs> yeah. in a gas. I haven't got time to invest in gas. I'll just get a, a nice charcoal one, get it on there. Yeah. Maybe if I like it, I'll get one button. Oh, look at myself yeah. with my top off in the toilet. Have a barbecue. barbecue. <laughs> I once saw David Nugent in a soft play. You've never told this I, story. I, I have, yeah. That's it. He was just really... 
He didn't know that I knew he was David Nugent. Did I you did say know. anything? No, but he was very nice to my kids. I saw Gary Lineker in for Perry in Westfield. And he wasn't eating any walkers, and I was going to be like... Why well, aren't you eating walkers? Yeah. And he would say, because McCoy's a better... Oh, I'd have gone... Behind him. I've never met anyone famous. I saw Idica Johnson stood outside King's College just to do the footballers in non-footballing situation, and I barely recognised him because he wasn't wearing shorts. Oh. And I used to do that to people I played football on a Sunday. I couldn't recognise him because they weren't wearing shorts. Paul, you got one more footballers in a non-footballing situation. Go. Where you've seen a footballer. You don't, you've delivered flowers to Adeboyle's house. And Charlie Austin's. And uh, Fabregas. Yeah. That was an awkward one. Who had the nicer house, Adeboyle or Fabregas? Because it wasn't Charlie Austin's house, was it? It was his no, wedding. No, it was rented. Um, um, <laughs> Fabregas lived in a very posh part of London, I believe, near Buckingham Palace. And um, it was quite bizarre because... I did the delivery, and I, I, you know it's, it's work, isn't it? You got to do it. It's one of our clients, so you have to do it, sort of thing. And there's these wee Chelsea fans outside, and um, I suppose you call them Chelsea groupies. Do you call football fans groupies? I don't know. And they really like, can we stay in the back of your van? Are you delivering to Mister Fabregas? It's like you're not going near that van with that shade shirt on. Bugger off. And of course, I'm giving them all the insults on Diggy Chelsea. It's Chelsea that, of course, it was all, hello, here's some flowers. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you very much. And goodbye. Get away from that fucking van, you Chelsea bastards. Sort of thing going on. And I might have um, not um, set the tone of the area quite well. But yes, uh, Annabelle also was brilliant. But he did put the fear of God into me once when he said he was going to sign for QPR. Oh, and I was, I, I was kind of like, it was good money. It was a nice job. It was a nice bloke, but I didn't want him playing for QPR. We had enough people who didn't do a lot on the pitch. We didn't want another one. I don't know what's more shocking that the the, the secret revelation of football with flowers orders or Paul's uh, working voice, which I've never heard yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I'm, I am surprisingly professional <laughs> to a T. I tell you, because you work with your wife and you know she will you will be homeless if you don't <laughs> behave yourself. Yeah. Correct, yeah. Okay, ours end. I'll start. Can we do a drum roll? You're a musician. Can you do a drum roll? <laughs> we have an announcement. Really, Emily? Live. Really? We have <laughs> our first live podcast Woo! guest announcement. Emily, you're going to be there. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm it's gonna... not you. This announcement isn't you. We'll do a pre-announcement announcement. You're going to be there as you well, You came though. last year and did that amazing song. It was song. a few years ago, but th- it, does it feel not like Not last yesterday? year, the year before. Yeah, the year before last year. That amazing song, which I think is still a pinned video on our Facebook page. So if you look Good. for us on Facebook, you'll which see it. Which everyone should do every day. You're coming this do. year, 8th of May, the Roundhouse in Camden. Yeah. You coming, Paul? I hope so, yeah. Any, anybody who... Wants to come, get on qprpod.co.uk, click on QPR Pod Live. Get on with the guest news. Buy a ticket. We are announcing our first guest tonight. Please it do is that none other than. You sound like a goldfish droning. Sorry. <laughs> Clint Hill. Woo! It's just like watching Clint Hill. It's just like watching Clint Hill. If you come to the QPR Podcast Live, it will be just like watching Clint yeah. Hill because and it will be Clint watching Hill. Clint Hill. And, and hearing the man. Clint Hill is coming down Tuesday, May the 8th. We expect these Will tickets. there be more, David? Will there be more guests? There will be more guests, but they won't be announced until later in the week. You tease. Don't risk it. Buy your tickets now. Yeah. All I will say is the Rangers... Po- he's also... I shouldn't... I mean... 
I don't know if this devalues us or not. Oh. He is also doing the Rangers end of season podcast, the Glasgow Rangers end of season who? podcast. Once they announced him, so who? Yeah. Once they announced him, it sold out in a minute and a half. Apparently, <gasps> who? It oh sold out in a minute and a half. So tickets will go. Clint Hill's coming down the Roundhouse in Camden, ten pounds. There is a limited capacity. So if you want to come, get your tickets, qprpod.co.uk, at the top, QPRPod Live, buy your tickets. We will see you there. It's always a very fun night. Can I just make it clear to any Glasgow Rangers fans listening to this podcast, I am from Belfast, and I equally don't like Rangers or Celtic. Thank you very much. Thanks for that. <laughs> right, I just, I just thought what? <laughs> I don't like them. Thanks, Paul. Anything else that you want to tell us? That I, I would have, I would have Anyone else who's not listening who you want to speak to? <laughs> I, I, I would have probably supported Code and Beef. If uh, I'd had a free hand. Great stuff. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Paul. It's a great name. Stokes. Do you have an Oz end? Who would be your Scottish team? Stenhouse Muir or something? No. Who would you pick? I wouldn't Morton? have a Scottish they, team. Morton playing hoops, don't they? So. I don't, I'm not from Scotland or have any connection to Scotland, so probably. Not so no one. I think mine were Kilmarnock. No, okay. Because Emily? I always liked Ali McCoist um, and he played for them. Somewhere the near where the Loch Ness Monster is. That would be Inverness Caledonian Thistle, there although the Loch Ness Monster doesn't yeah. exist. No, he yeah. does. I've seen him. Okay, great chat. Paul Stokes, <laughs> Ross End. The secret person in the room, the elephant in the room, no offence, has said Hibbs. I quite like Hibbs because I think they've got a great badge. Thanks. Paul, Hello. for the third time of asking. <laughs> Been asked three, no. Um, you once, twice. Shut <laughs> up! Oh, God. Thank you, Emily. Please come back. <laughs> Paul, yes. what's on your mind regarding Queen's Park Rangers that we haven't talked about yet? The one thing, and we, we did vaguely touch on it, that sort of, as I walk past the club shop, because I don't live too far from the grounds yet again this time of year, and I'm reminded of every year, is could we perhaps next year try an experiment and not charge the earth for the, for the shirts, replica shirts, on Absolutely the first day of the not. season? And then maybe not flog them all off for a tenner at the end of this season? Because I, like most people, or not like most people, I always wait and buy, I've got about six from last season, because they're just cheap gym wear, more than anything. Although I haven't been to the gym in a while, anyone looking at me will know. But... Um, it it just does my head, and I see these poor you know people going by, and you know I have a one year old son who at some point I hope will be badgering me to get him all the badges and all that kind of thing because I'll have done the brainwashing and passed the misery on, um, and I just kind of feel loath the idea of buying him a you know a really expensive shirt that then gets the same shirt gets sold off without maybe the badges you know at the end of the season. Why don't we have a sensible policy at the start of the season? Just charge thirty quid if you want to. Bling it up with the numbers and your bat- league badges, that's up to you. Maybe that's where you make your money back. And then not flog them off for no money at the end of each season. Or keep an archive and then people go in and say, you know, like a record shop, I'll have but, the 78. The one thing it. I would say if, with, about your one-year-old son as someone with a slightly older son, five-year-old son, is the longer we have a betting sponsor, the better, because that means <laughs> the kids' kits are completely unbranded. And they look pure. Nice. Which means there's very little difference between them, and you kind of look at them and you think, well, why would I get this season's kit over the last season? If it's the same uh, kit manufacturer, you kind of think, well, I keep the same thing. And also, to be fair, when they're quite little, the, the, they do the kit, the top and the shorts and the socks together, and they're much more affordable than the adult I, ones. I, I'm sure, but I mean, I remember, you know, all the different kits when you hit the right age, particularly teenagers, you want to have the, the you know, yeah. the... 
Right. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I appreciate it's a source of revenue, but it just seems to me it's slight. Let's not, why not? It's, it's, if we weren't flogging off for a tenner every season, which it seems to be the last three seasons we've done, fine. It's that's the thing. It's like, yeah. you know, it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. yeah. So sell them out at a decent price and then you won't have to worry about it. Emily, yeah. Paul, Paul Finney gets very upset if he doesn't get the last R's end, so yeah, you need to go now. Probably just, I don't really have one, just don't get rid of Alex Smithies, please. I really, really like him. We need him. I mean, he's going to go. No, I just, in case anything thinks about it, he might leave. Or they, you know, just, I don't want anything to happen to him. Please stay. I think you might need to deal with it. And, and, and... <laughs> Uh, music wise, what 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 are what, you what what's what's going thank you on? For That's all right. The thirty p who stood with Latasha Harlins is out now. Who stood with Latasha Harlins? Yes. Who is Latasha Harlins? A fifteen year old black girl who got shot in America in ninety two. Let's not bring the mood down. Let's not bring the mood down. That but, sounds uh, interesting. It's very interesting. Important. We know all about that. I know there's a lot of people being shot at the moment all the time. But her story is particularly great. Okay. So, uh, how do we listen to that? Uh, you, if you have an Alexa, you can just say Alexa, play that track, and it does it. I found that out today. Blew my Alexa, mind. Alexa, play Emily Capel. Yeah, it does that, and uh, you can get it on my website. And there's physical copies uh, pretty much everywhere, apart from HMV because they've shut all them now. So, mm, very good. That's my. That's oh, good luck a bit with of that. Selfish art end. Sorry. Good luck with that, Thanks. and we'll see you. We'll see you down at the live pod. Paul, two things. Disappointed again to hear that the whole fans were singing Stabbed in the Morning to QPR fans. When will they ever learn? Some, some whole fans, not well, all. Enough fans. bin lids to make a noise. Yeah. They did it with the, the bombs are going on and stuff. It's like pathetic morons. Um, my own opinion, of course. And secondly, um, actually, I've got three. I've just remembered. Of course you have. Because he just texted me to remind me. Of course me. you've got three. That's really, that's really spooky. Do you know what? Take four. Go on. <laughs> no, I'll just, take, on. I'll just take three. Paul Zanon is doing a book signing between 6.45 and 7.15 tomorrow with Mott Prince. Um, we don't need to tell the story. Everyone knows it. It's Kyan Prince's father. Yeah. yeah. Um, Papa, okay, maybe I should explain. Who's, yeah. who's but, father? Prince. So Kyan Prince, Kyan Prince was, um, for, for uh, anyone that's not sure, was the young lad, the youth team player who was uh, stabbed to death. 10, 11, 12 years ago, something like that. And Mark Prince is his father. Okay, so there's a book Amazing. signing. Yes. And especially with what's going on underneath this day and age, we really sort of city out, that's another story. Um, please go there, support Mark. Um, possibly we talk about legends and heroes. There's one right there. Go and support them tomorrow night. And Where's the so, signing? Um, it's at the club shop. Thank you, Paul. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, between 6.45 and 7.15. Please go along if you can. And... Um, Give our love to Mark and what he's doing. Lastly, um, Colin Clark and Sarah Pringle are doing a, the London Marathon, I think, or some kind of marathon. I think it's the London one, but I didn't read the whole message. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's not a half marathon. Just, yeah, just running It could be a marathon bar for all I know. And I don't make it anymore, they're called sneakers. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, seriously, they are doing the London Marathon for the. Um, I'm just joking what you call it. Sneakers or whatever they were they called Snickers, Snickers. not sneakers. That's shoes. No, they're called goodies. Snickers. In yes. Ireland, come on, we call. Well, they're called goodies. Anyway, um, in Ireland they're called goodies. Do you call them goodies? 
Well, maybe it's the Northern Ireland thing. Anyway, <laughs> so they're doing on the marathon for the Community Trust. You can go on Virgin Just Giving and support them and help them through the course. You could also turn up in a day and wish them well. They'll be in the QPR hoops and they were in program from the last home game. And also, please win tomorrow night and win Saturday and don't tinker. Your prediction whilst you're talking for tomorrow night and Saturday, please, I think and then we'll, we'll do everyone else. I think we'll batter shelf at Wednesday because they're awful, and we have to have a comeback pretty damn quick after that debacle on Saturday, and I think we'll draw against Preston. Paul, predictions? Um, I hope and think we'll win 2-1 on both games. I will go for the start of a mini schizophrenic period, if I can say that, for QPR. I think we'll probably like score loads of goals tomorrow after letting in loads of goals and scoring loads of goals the game before that. So we'll win tomorrow, and I think we'll win by a short margin, 1-0 or something like that on Saturday. Emily, you've got your hand up. Oh, sorry. Like, asking <laughs> if you can talk. You can talk. I think we'll win both, and uh, we'll be really good. As John Lennon would say... Give Paul Smith a chance. <laughs> it's been open all hours. Thank you very much. QPR, QPR, Queen's Park Rangers are on the up and up. QPR! Yay!